So if we were a manufacturing division or we're going to buy and sell in the stock market, we would create finance reports in order to meet those needs. But the reality is in a creative firm, our KPIs are very different. Um, We're going for value propositions, not utilization. From RevThink, you're listening to the RevThinking Podcast, a conversation between creative entrepreneurs who know the best way to deal with the future is to create it. I'm Joel Pilger. Today's episode features me and Tim Thompson being interviewed by Paige Albiniak on the topic of creative entrepreneurs. Welcome to RevThinking. RevThink leverages years of experience and practical wisdom to help owners of top creative studios. So you don't have to choose between following your passion and running your business. Now here's your host, Joel Pilger. Hello from Chisinau, Moldova, and welcome to the Rev Thinking Podcast. Tim and I are here leading the Collider Conference, and we are having an absolute blast because we brought along with us some of our very best friends and clients. Namely, we've got Jim Reed from True TV with us, Rob Wagner from Stimulated Inc., and Nika Offenbach from Andor. Uh, if you're curious about what Collider is, just go to revthink.com slash Collider to see what we're up to. But today on the podcast, it's a departure from the norm because, well, I don't have a guest today because I am the guest, or at least I'm one of the guests. And so is Tim Thompson. What you're about to hear is the two of us being interviewed by Paige Albiniak on the Promax BDA Daily Brief podcast. The topic is creative entrepreneurs and our upcoming conference, Bulletproofing Profits, on October 27th at Terranea Resort in Los Angeles. Now, in the episode, Paige begins by first asking Tim and me about creative entrepreneurs. What is it? How did it come about? Who is it for? And why is it so needed within Promax BDA? We then shift the conversation to give you a taste of what's coming up at our upcoming one-day conference on October 27th, and that is Bulletproofing Profits. What is profit? Why is profit good? And how can we create profit almost automatically at our creative firms? Well, if you're interested in attending that conference, grab a ticket ASAP. Go to promaxbda.org and you'll see creative entrepreneurs there on the homepage. We do encourage you to go quickly because seating is limited and we do expect it to sell out. Okay, that's what we're going to get into on the podcast today. First, a couple quick announcements. Uh, I want to say that RevThink is pleased to announce our new Facebook group, the seven ingredients. This is a private curated group of owners who run studios, agencies, and production companies where we're discussing and debating and sharing all about how to run a killer thriving business. Now, in just over a week since we launched it, we've already seen more than 150 amazing creative entrepreneurs join the group. So to request access, just go to the RevThinking blog at revthink.com for the details. Bottom line, it's it's insightful, it's private, and hey, it's free. So we'll see you there. Secondly, I am super pumped to announce that our next Jumpstart Accelerator begins October 30th. What is Jumpstart? Well, it is the transformational 10-week intensive program designed for up-and-coming studios under $1.5 million. So if your studio is struggling to 
stand out, to win better clients and better projects and escape that feast or famine cycle, I encourage you to go to that same place. Go to the RevThinking blog at RevThink.com to learn more. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's get into the podcast with me and Tim being interviewed by Paige Albiniak from Promax BDA on the topic of creative entrepreneurs and bulletproofing profits. All right. So I like to hear people's stories before I kind of get into the heart of it, just to provide some context. So Tim, I'm going to call on you first to tell us about your background and what brought you to the point you're at now in your career. First of all, I love the idea of career. So I think from early on, I always focused on where I would go in my career and how what the steps would be. But I started my career actually working on the Emmys and the Oscars. I did live TV. It was a great opportunity to be around some amazing talent, hardworking people, and those shows are fast and furious. So I got my start there. I worked with the associate producer, so I did a lot of booking, budgeting, talent acquisition for those shows. And then a friend of mine mentioned a small production company in downtown LA or in Hollywood that did visual effects and opening credits to films. So she got me an interview and I started working at RGA LA, which eventually became Imaginary Forces. And I was lucky enough to be part of the Imaginary Forces group at the inception. We had just finished the opening credit sequence to seven. And I think there was probably 15 of us at the office when, when Imaginary Forces got started. And I was there for almost seven years. After leaving Imaginary Forces, I had some career changes and started helping friends just with issues they were having in their business. So I called myself a a freelance problem solver. One of the places I was working at at that point was Trailer Park in LA. And they were small then also. And they went through an acquisition and grew to almost 400 people. And I thought, wow, I've learned a lot. Maybe I could leverage what I've learned and how I like to help people into a career. So I started RevThink. I started RevThink uh, 10 years ago this year, and it's been, a, it's been a good career ever since. Thank you, Tim. Joel, why don't you run us down how you got to where you are now? Sure. Well, I ran a creative agency of my own for uh, 20 years. That was Impossible Pictures, which was based in Denver. And so I was the agency guy, right? Always out there running a business and running around with my hair on fire and trying to figure out how to do work in this crazy space that Promax BDA is in. But along my journey, I met this guy named Tim. And it's funny, when I first met Tim through Carol, who's a rep in the business, I remember telling myself, you know, I don't want to like either of these guys because I've got too much going on. I don't have time to mess with these people. And after I met Tim and found out about his background and experience, I was like, oh, man, I really liked what he said. So I ended up being a client of of Tim's. So he was my consultant and helped me navigate some of the later years of my agency before I sold it, which was in 2014. So it was a great run, had an amazing experience and had, you know, I don't know, 40 or 50 employees over the years. So it was, it was a great success story, but I was looking for something else and excited to transition my career. And after I sold my company, I looked at what Tim had been doing in helping the creative entrepreneurs in our industry thrive frankly. And I thought, gosh, Tim has this amazing perspective from having worked with all of these different studios around the country. And Tim, I think, identified something in me and said, dude, come join me and let's go help the entire industry get stronger and grow up and mature. And that's when I joined RevThink as a consultant. And that was, I guess, almost three years ago now. And it's been a blast. We're getting to really work with some of the most amazing people in the industry and help the agency side of the industry. That's kind of a preamble, but 
can you kind of delve into what RevThink is and what it does in the industry? Well, I would say in its simplest sense, the way we like to say it is that RevThink comes alongside creative entrepreneurs to accelerate their growth, profitability, and help them have a greater impact in the industry. So what that looks like is we engage with creative entrepreneurs through engagements. We have uh, programs that we call accelerators. We also build communities, but it's all to help the creative entrepreneur, the owner, run a better business and really build a long-term career. And then would you add anything to that, Tim? It's always great when I hear Joel's story because there's a just a part of uh, recognizing what it takes to be a business owner and the hard work to wake up every day and do something that not everyone on the planet is capable of doing, especially when that owner is a creative person like Joel was or like many of our clients are. So at RevThink, you know, we believe that creative comes first and the creative has to always win. And then it's the job of the business and production and other areas of the industry to support that creative so that we're always advancing the creative aspects and then making sure that they are profitable and sustainable and in business. So many of the platforms we've created or communities that we've built are really there to support that creative entity and those creative people so that they have the career that they expected when they started. And then anything that we can do to make it more efficient or more successful, as Julie like to say, the, help them thrive in, in their career. We want to be able to do that for them. Can you define for me what a creative entrepreneur is? I think in its simplest sense, it's a business owner that runs a business that creates a creative product. And there's a lot of redundant words in there. But <laughs> these, yeah, these, these are mostly service businesses that generate a creative product for clients. And then when, Tim, you were going out in the world and working with these people, what was it that you saw that they needed? What was missing from their skill set that you thought, this is something I can help them fill in? Well, to begin with, many of them were my friends. So they were very honest with me and would express areas of frustration for their business operations or finance that they just couldn't understand. Many of us didn't go to school and get business degrees. So there was some business principles that were just beyond their reach. So with me wanting to be a problem solver and coming alongside them, I basically grabbed whatever they couldn't understand and went and did the research for them. The initial stuff is honestly often finance. People couldn't understand where their money was going, how they can make profit on a project and not make profit in their business. They didn't know when to invest and they couldn't understand the growth cycle that they were going through. So that there are moments in a business that are very difficult to transition from one to the other. So the name of my company, Revolution Thinking, is really a revolution is a time of change. It's a time of rotation. And I wanted to help people process what those evolutions are within their business. And that was the initial push that I, I went out there and helped people with is just be their partner, be their friend, think like they needed to think, and then solve a problem that worked for them and their business without selling them some pre-existing package off the shelf that really didn't fit our industry or our needs. So we're going to delve into things around that in a bit, but I want to talk to you about... So you, a couple of years ago, you guys came to Promax BDA and as a result of those conversations, launched the Creative Entrepreneurs Program, which I want to say, are we starting the third year of it? We, let's see, almost. No. Think, yeah, we're at the, like two, just over the two year mark here. Yeah. So can you, I mean, we described what a creative entrepreneur is, but what is, can you describe what this program is? What is its goal? Who is it designed for? Why is it something people should be interested in participating in? 
Well, I could maybe answer that question by question best by <clears throat> telling the little quick story of when I first approached Steve Kazanjian. Again, this is two and a half years ago. I challenged Steve as a former agency owner himself, right? He ran Belief uh, back in the day, which was a really great studio. And I said, Steve, you and I both know that Promax BDA, as amazing as it is, that the agency community is underserved, that there's more opportunity here for us to help the agency leaders get together, learn, grow, and make the industry stronger. And he totally got it. He totally agreed. And we just, in that moment, said, well, let's do it. Well, what was it? The it was, let's create a program where we can bring a group of agency principals together within Promax BDA. So it's like a subset, right, of Promax, the agencies. But let's let's bring them all together and let's take them through the topics and bring in guest experts, all the things they need to build them up to connect them, to build community. And so it was really a series of events. And the first one was at Promax BDA, the conference in New York. And then we followed that up with quarterly events. So alternating between New York and Los Angeles. And those quarterly events in between are, of course, are just the entrepreneurs getting together in a room. And it's Tim and myself going through what we call the seven ingredients of a creative firm is sort of our framework that we're working through. And then, of course, we bring in guests that are amazing experts, and we can talk more about those folks. And then we're also building community because a lot of these guys have just never been in a room with their peers and realized that, you know what? There's an amazing set of relationships and friendships to build, even though we do compete, that uh, there's tremendous value in us getting to know each other better. Right. Okay. So we've done this app, just came up from XBDA. Los Angeles. Now we're coming up to Terranea, which is this beautiful resort in LA. This next one is titled Bulletproofing Profits. I don't want you guys to give away the store, but can we talk (laughs) a little bit about what the focus will be and why you think this is a topic that's important for creative agency owners? And also, do you feel like, you know, you guys have been doing this for a bit, but people can still really jump in at any time, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, the Creative Entrepreneurs Program that we're doing outside of the annual conference is really based off of our seven ingredients that we've identified as a framework for every business owner. Those seven ingredients being production, finance, operations, creative, entrepreneurship, dopey, sleazy, and doc. I don't know what... I can't remember all seven all the time. Marketing. Marketing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Sales. Which, well, there you go. Sleazy. Um, so... <laughs> With that as a framework, we basically we are we're approaching creative entrepreneurs the program as walking through each of those ingredients throughout the years that we're doing it. So this one coming up in October really is obviously a finance focus, talking about profit. So we'll move in in January. We'll move to one of the other other seven ingredients and find a topic that's relevant inside that as well. The reason we we talking about profit first in the finance kind of portal of of the seven ingredients is that the way that a Wall Street firm would think about a manufacturing company is often where the sales and finance reporting we get comes from. So if we are a manufacturing division or we're going to buy and sell in the stock market, we would create finance reports in order to meet those needs. But the reality is in a creative firm, our KPIs are very different. Um, We're going for value propositions, not utilization. And we're leveraging ideas, not manufacturing that require certain hours and certain materials to get it done, but people and space and opportunity. So our finance reporting should look very different. And if you can if you can create a finance report to understand where your money is going, then you could always spend less than you make. And that's how you guarantee profit. So at Rev, think one of the things that we figured out is how to create a finance report 
that works within a creative industry. And we want to share that at Terranea in October so we can teach people how to spend less than they make, guarantee profits, and then really explore what to do with the profit. So we have a morning session that's practical. We call it the information. And then we have the afternoon session that's more of a moonshot and we call that inspiration. So we always like to touch information and inspiration in within uh, each of the programs that we do. I think it's funny in that when you're talking about the seven ingredients, because I think this is really true, is I think it's funny how people at creative agencies who basically produce marketing for a living just aren't that great at marketing themselves or don't even connect, you know, that I need to actually market this work. I just think it's sort of an interesting gap that exists. Sure. Yeah, no, that's a classic dilemma. The cobbler's kids never have shoes, right? Right, um, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I, I find it very hard to speak about myself. And and really what people need from me is I'm, I understand better when they ask me a question than when I just say it out loud, guessing what they need. And marketing requires a little bit more insight that way. So really, Joel coming on board to RevThink allowed RevThink to grow and think in marketing because Joel has this marketing background. And he works specifically with clients to have that conversation. So now they have a trusted uh, sounding board that they can work with and find out that language and, and personality that's necessary to get a firm out in the marketplace. But it is a challenge. It's a challenge for almost everyone in this field. And then what do you think the balance is between agency owners, you know, coming to these seminars, coming to you, learning these skills, and then hiring the right people to handle these matters for them? Why is it important for agency owners to have their own handle on this versus just getting the right people in place. Well, I think the, the thing I would say, because I, I can hear Tim, you're about to say the same exact thing, <laughs> that in order to delegate something, you have to first master it yourself. You can't hire a salesperson if, you, if you've never done sales yourself and just say, hey, go sell. So there's a, there's a bit of a myth there. However, we are big believers in, sure, you have to master something in order to delegate it, but then you have to delegate it that focusing on your genius is absolutely essential. And your genius might be as a creative. It might be as a producer. It might be the biz dev, you know, sales and marketing genius, whatever that thing is, your success and your future is absolutely dependent upon you focusing on that and then delegating all of those other areas to people on your team that have that as their genius. Do you think it's possible for these owners just from a time, you know, how much, how many hours there are in a day point of view, is it possible for them to have mastery over all these areas? Not really. No, <laughs> no. I, I mean, it's all seven of these areas. It's, it's almost like if there was, you know, if there was 300 hours in a week, yes, I think you could master all of them. But being reality as it is that we have lives, you know, we have families, we have careers, we have all these things we're trying to balance that what happens is you tend to master one and then delegate it and move on to mastering the next one and then delegate that and master the next one and delegate that. Mm -hmm. And on it goes until you've built that core team where you have a true expertise in all seven of those areas. And you're hopefully only focused on one or two of them yourself. Plus, leadership is different than mastering it all so that you can control it all. Mm -hmm. Leadership is the ability of knowing what you want and then and then getting that out of a person. So we try to give them enough information so they know what they want and then allow them to create tools to communicate that. So working with a salesperson to just say, go get me more sales, doesn't really solve any problems and it creates a lot of stress because more is never accomplished. But if you knew from a salesperson, you wanted five or 10 leads a week and then you worked with 
with that salesperson to give them understanding of areas that you you are successful or you think you could take the company that they can help you sell. Now you're collaborating, but you don't have to do all the sales effort and sales work yourself. So we really try to build people up with skills and ability, reporting, understanding, so they can be a stronger leader in the seven areas. But yeah. they do need to know what they want from each of those seven areas. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you is, do you feel like if the seven principles, let's say that they are a foundation, but that it's all leading back to leadership? Do you feel like what you're working with these people on is really on building their leadership? Or would you say leadership's just a separate tent pole among the rest of them? Yeah, I think it, it, um, leadership for sure, because leadership is the tool you need, but we're also looking for accomplishment. So one of the areas we also want the seven ingredients to lead to is that final, those final stages of your career so that you've leveraged something and created something. So you own something. So you've accomplished what you wanted to in your career. So you have something to lean back on. Uh, later in life when you're financially independent. So those stages also need reporting and structure so that as you build, you have other things to rely on than just your own hours or just your own ability. And that helps your company grow and scale, but also frees you up. Because I say that we get into this industry for one of three reasons, fame, fortune, or freedom. But all three of those areas need influence in order to make that possible. So a lot of our the, the, the thinking behind the seven ingredients is allowing you to not only manage what you have, but to create influence over time that you have something so you can achieve your fame, fortune, or freedom. Or and, I'll just three. Mention, and I'll mention that one of the, those ingredients is entrepreneurship, which really covers this, these questions of leadership and vision and exit strategy and why am I here? Why do I even get up in the morning? How do I build a team? So we definitely get into those areas uh, quite often with, with our clients. I think it's interesting too, because without getting into it here, but I think in your seminars, you have a lot of specificity, meaning that it's not just the leadership involves collaboration or empathy or these broad ideas, but it's really about what you said. And this is a simple example, but having your salesperson set specific goals, you, you want to bring in five or 10 leads a week. And then more broadly, what are the, what's the specific data that you're working off of to build your company to the place you want it to be? And I think that's probably a very helpful framework to bring to people. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, specificity is is critical just when you're, you don't have room, time, energy, patience to deal with abstractions. You know, it's the creative entrepreneur, that role is one where you really want to know, okay, what does it take? And you also want to know, how does everybody else do it? You know, am I just reinventing the wheel mm -hmm. here or is there a perspective that can help me in very practical ways? I mean, you know, we, we get into the absolute minutiae <laughs> with you know our consulting clients we get into daily and weekly monthly quarterly operations um so in, in into all of those particulars so we're we're very happy and you know have fun getting into that stuff do you find that those topics make the creatives who are in these businesses does it make their eyes glaze over or do they or do they feel <laughs> like you know because i feel like the kind of people that start these businesses you know they kind of start it because they don't want to do those parts but how do they tend to react to to these topics yeah well for sure i think um I think if you think of it in principle, it makes all of our eyes glaze over. It seems like the part of business that's not sexy or why we dirt, why we got into this for any for any reason. You know, we're finding people at different stages of their business, and we know the most um, responsive clients we have are the ones that are hungry 
to solve those problems. So often somebody with a hunger and that desire makes them learn whatever you're willing to give them. So, you know, luckily we, we find them at the right stage of the question asking point of their career that we can feed them that information. But to your point, there are definitely aspects that we do want to delegate eventually. It's not, we don't want to be a specialist in finance or a specialist in sales. That's why we hire people to do that work. So we do try to keep people involved and understanding and being able to simply read a sales report, if nothing more, so that they know what they're getting out of their sales team or what the responsive nature is of their company in finance when they make certain creative decisions so that they can just be responsible. Because as a business owner, you don't have a choice. You're responsible for all of it. So we try to make it as easy as possible to digest and manage. Yeah, I love that you I love that Tim mentioned these seasons because we we've we've even found that the that you know creative firms follow these patterns and we have these seasons of the creative firm that we talk about. And often the creative entrepreneur in that in those early seasons, you know, like we call them the painful season, the push season, that owner really is focused on, hey, I just want to make cool stuff. I just want to produce great work. And that's right. fine, but it is interesting how fast forward 10 years later and those those owners, almost without exception, are asking other questions. They're changing their priorities, their values shift. Um, I know my friend uh, Ryan Bramwell at Spilt. Um, you know, he was—he's always been a creative at heart, but he got to about ten years running his agency in Denver, and now he's starting to shift from you know, I really love running a great business and being the business development leader here. And so those priorities they shift and they evolve, and that's part of what it means to you know create a career so that your firm can be there to ultimately support who you are and who you're becoming throughout your throughout your life. I think also though it would be a relief if you if you go back to what you said it's freedom, fortune, fame. I'm and I keep wanting to interject fun but I don't actually think that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean if those are your goals, so I think it would be a great relief to have someone come in and say I'm going to help you develop a framework so that you can reach those goals because I think people do get caught up. I mean I think this myself. I get caught up in the day-to-day minutia of what I'm doing and you don't think that much about what am I driving toward? Why am I doing this? And I think it would be incredibly helpful just to have that outside that outside structure to work with. And for myself, there was a a few wake-up calls in my career. And one of them was to recognize there's not a lot of 65-year-olds in this business. So you have to have achieved all that you needed to before you hit your 65th birthday. And honestly, there's not even a lot of 50-year-olds in this business. So as you're managing your career and whatever you're you're leveraging in order to create that those kind of final stages of your career, you need to know that there's a limited time to do it. So for us, like to be able to put structure and understanding and strategy into how to process, create that leverage, develop certain assets, and then turn that into an overall career is some of what we're, we've recognized and we dive into and help a, a company go through. That's why we have clients that are have been around for, for almost eight years because we've been working with them as they've evolved and the, the person as and the business evolved. And we have companies that range from Bubba's Chop Shop is, I think, two years old and Trollback is nearly 20 years old. So the entire you know the length of a, of a generation, a career is happening 
um, right here in the in the RevSync office. And we can recognize and see and still create strategy no matter where you are or where you're trying to go. We try to work alongside you and create the strategy so you can achieve those goals of fame, fortune, freedom, influence. So that's where some of our heart is and the, the behind the scenes aspects of RevThink is to keep on playing this out into the future so that you are you can actually create the future you expected to have when you started your career. Why do you think it is that there are not that many people over 65 or even younger between 50 and 65 in this business? And do you think that's changing at all? It's for sure changing. I think some of it is just the marketplace is changing now too, that it's you're capable of doing it. It felt like when I started in the industry, there was five shops to choose from, you know, and then within 10 years, there's 500. Yeah, um, so many. Technology and everything had, had made that possible. Just generationally, who we've become and what, who we are as Gen Xers or millennials, um, we have more entrepreneurial opportunity than before. So some of that is um, creating a new reality. But I also think that this is an industry that is constantly changing. And when you spend even just five years dealing in one specialty, that specialty eventually isn't relevant after five or 10 years and a new one comes along and replaces it. So that need to refresh yourself over and over and over and reinvent yourself through decades wears you out. It just wears you out. And there's just other priorities that take place, family, you know, life, purpose, other things outside of this industry, which is why we actually have a new initiative called RevThink.org. And we're trying to come alongside business owners and talking about what else in legacy and what else in purpose happens besides just running your business and working out principles and ideas of places you can give away or or opportunities that you can offer um, your services in order to help move a cause forward. So you're not only focusing on your your selfish personal need to keep your company going, but your outward focus into the industry. We call it the abundance thinking. And we want to be able to push over ideas beyond just yourself or your own business. And I believe that's going to create longevity in people's career because they know what they're working for is greater than their own own need. Do you find that that is a driving force for people? Um, It is for me. And I find that a lot of people that got into this industry wanted to have that influence in order to kind of prove something to, uh, you know, it could just be trying to prove something to your high school teacher or your, you know, a girlfriend that broke up with you. Some people have that kind of chip on their shoulder. But many of us know that there's opportunity in media to create that influence and and we want to use it for good. So mm-hmm. to give them a platform to use it for good is just you know, the next fulfillment of a career. Right, right. No, I think that's a really a good point, an interesting point. So you say on your on the revthink.com website that the best way to deal with the future is to create it. So what do you mean by that? And I think it's a much longer conversation than we have time for here, but just what are some ideas on how agencies can go about doing that? Well, I think the short answer I would give from my perspective would be that as the entrepreneur, you have an amazing opportunity to dream things up that are immensely valuable in the marketplace. And it gives you this choice called, hey, I want to create a future called this kind of company, this kind of team, this kind of expertise. And that's a really rare opportunity. And it's a very optimistic viewpoint compared to this you know, incessant drumbeat that most of us hear called change is the only constant, you know, <laughs> oh, budgets are going down every year and requirements are going up. And what was me? The world is getting noisy. The world is getting flat. But as the creative entrepreneur out there, you really do have this opportunity to rather than just deal with the future or react to it is to create it. 
And that's just, you know, it kind of reveals, I think, our optimistic attitude that we hold because we work with all of these really incredible entrepreneurs. They, you know, as I often say, you know, as a creative entrepreneur, you really don't have the luxury of being a pessimist because you'll go quickly out of business. So that it's just a reflection of our optimism about what it means to be an entrepreneur. Did you have anything to add to that, Tim? That's exactly right. And even just the systems and and routines we put in place for each of our clients is moving them from a reactionary nature to a proactive nature. So if we know where we're going to go, then we can put things in place today to get there. Too many of us, especially entrepreneurs, we the way we started our business is to react to a need. So we jump in and, cre- and create a service to fulfill that need. But eventually to run your business, you have to move out of reaction and become proactive. And so even fundamentally, our, our, the most basic pieces of what we do also has that creating your future aspect to it. So the quote itself just matches so many levels of what we do at RevThink. What is the biggest switch in mindset that you feel you need to see from agency heads in this new world? That's a great question. You know, the answer will depend on where you are in your career. So for example, Joel and I are working working with the country of Moldova, and we've been hired to help develop the creative services industry within the country so that they can compete within the United States and Western Europe. When Joel and I took a tour of the agencies that are there, their capabilities matched the U.S. agencies in design, aesthetic, creativity, and strategy. So they they already had the skill level to compete in the Western world. But when we got done talking to them about their capabilities, they would then ask us, hey, do you want to see our app? Or do you want to see how we promote social media and create more followers? So many of these companies that are in this smaller marketplace, they're so hungry that they kept on developing and they kept moving. They keep moving forward. You know, that relates to a moving and exchanging marketplace that's going to be, that's going to take over the Western world as well. Because if a country, if a small company in a small country can do that work, then there's going to be U.S. agencies in the future doing that same work. So that just goes back to the idea of a business owner knowing that things will change and being able to understand that it is changing. They don't necessarily have to take on the same capabilities, but they need to understand where they fit into the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So as they develop and mature, they need to understand if this is going to change and this is where it's going to be, I will leverage my ability and my comfort level into these pieces of of that market. So that to me is is the greatest mind shift that many agency owners need to be thinking about is that they the world is going to change and how do they fit into it not having to do it all themselves. So sort of along those lines, do you think that agencies relationships with clients, agencies relationships with networks is changing in this new environment and if you think that then how can they best take advantage of that change or how can they adapt their relationships accordingly? I think it's absolutely changing because in its simplest sense, I think the agency that was around 10 or 20 years ago, it was all about the work. And if you just did great work, everything else took care of itself. And that is not at all the case nowadays. So like Tim said, depending on where you are in your career, you do tend to have this focus in the early days of it's all about the work. And then you start to realize, no, there's actually a lot more going on in running a successful business and solving deeper problems. We have this, I guess, paradigm or framework we call the evolution of resources, which is that as an agency evolves, it starts out by building services and commodities. These are, you know, things that are readily available that were valuable years ago. But now 
agencies have learned how to take those items and merge them into solutions. And that creates a new value. And then, of course, taking solutions and merging them together creates things like strategy and vision, which are even more valuable. So really, the agency today that's creating value is not built on top of commodity services. We do editing, we do design, we do animation. That's something that's just readily available in the marketplace from a hundred different sources. So it's really digging deeper and starting to find how are we bringing all of these amazing things together to create new solutions that are really valuable way above and beyond the hourly rates and things like that that we charge. Okay. I think that I'm going to wrap it up there just because I want to leave you guys a lot of meat to feed your attendees next month in Terranea. But thank you both so much for coming on. I appreciate it. And um, I'm excited to hear what comes out of these next sessions. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Paige. Yeah, good being with you, Paige. Thanks for having us on the podcast. Thank you, and we'll talk again soon. If you're an agency leader and you're interested in learning more about creative entrepreneurs, head to promaxbda.org for more information and to register. The next event, Bulletproofing Profits, takes place at Terranea Resort in Los Angeles on October 27th. RevThinking is produced by RevThink. Feel free to connect with us at RevThink.com. We'd love to help. And hey, if you like the Rev Thinking Podcast, please do us a favor by subscribing on iTunes and giving us your feedback. Thanks for listening to Rev Thinking.